Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Monster Mania Radio. We are so excited to be back. My name is Rob Dimension, and I am joined by, as always, Dave Hagen. Your favorite Hagen. You know the deal. I'm Doug. David Hagen, your least favorite Hagen. <laughs> That's very effing true. Can we say the F word yet on this show? Yeah, I think we're going to. I know we're going to this, this week. Okay. I'm ant. <laughs> I am right. fucking ant. Oh, that? boy. Oh, okay, so a lot of people have asked about the old uh, podcast episodes. And just to let everybody know, they are loading back up on Podbean on the app itself. There are a few episodes that are missing. I think it's like uh, maybe... Four. And Dave, you had said the last episode uh, was missing. So don't be afraid to kind of check them all out. I think what happens is they're bringing them back through their through like their backlog. And I'm hoping that they'll all come back eventually. Uh, it, it just might take a little bit of time. Everyone also keeps asking about iTunes and Stitcher. We are still working on that. Sadly, they are backlogged. And it takes a little bit longer to get put back on iTunes. We are on Podbean. You can actually go to podbean.com. You can download their app. They have a smartphone app. It's super easy. You'll get a notification as soon as the episodes are up. It's uh, free, and, uh, you know, we're the cool guys on Podbean. There you go. I got to say one thing. Uh, You know, going into the the podcast again last week after, what, three weeks? uh, Three years, I'm sorry. Um, Like, I was – it felt a little funny at first, like, trying to do it again. Like, it was – uh, a little awkward, you know, a little bit in the, in the beginning of the of the broadcast. But I think as things went on, it really, I, it felt great. You know what I mean? It was like getting back with an old girlfriend. Like at first, you it's a little. Well, no, no. <laughs> at first, it's a little awkward. But once she got your pants off, she knew what she was doing, and it felt great. You know, I I, I had a really good I'm time done. last week, and I'm looking forward to. I'm amped. Let me I tell was you, amped. I'm, I'm I amped. Quit. This Good. is so far. I, this is more real for me. I just had a visual of Big Dave's old girlfriend. So. <laughs> oh, hey, come on. They weren't bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Woof, woof. Poodlehead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's jump right to it, Dave. Let's talk a little bit about Hunt Valley. Now, tonight you made some new announcements. Do you want to go over those a little bit? Yeah, so tonight, Rob, we had two cancellations, and, I, you know, I absolutely hate cancellations. I really do. Uh, I, I know what it's like to be disappointed when you want to go see somebody. I try to make the announcements as soon as I can. Uh, Barbara Steele canceled. She had some kind of scheduling conflict. And Alexandra Breckenridge had a cancel. She has uh, a bit of a family medical issue. Uh, I, I do know what it is, and it trust me, it's worth canceling. So, you know, I, I feel bad when we have to cancel, but uh, we were able to add two new stars to the show. So tonight we added Sharni Vinson, uh, who was the lead role in Your Next. And we also are bringing to Hunt Valley for the first time Wilfred Brimley. Uh, we had Wilfred at our March show last year. Absolutely a phenomenal guest. Uh, he was funny as hell. Of everything from that show, what I remember the most is the Q&A he did with the group of the Think People, and he hands down brought the house down. Like, he was hilarious. It, it's worth the price of admission just to go to his Q&A, without a doubt. So uh, we were really happy to add those two stars. And honestly, I mean, if you look at the lineup of stars we have for Hunt Valley, it is by far the best uh, lineup of stars we've ever had for Hunt Valley. And I think it matches up well against, you know, any Cherry Hill lineups we've had or honestly any other lineups for any cons out there. 
you know, the, the headliners we have, we have Rose McGowan. Can't remember the last time she's done a show in the area. We have Tobin Bell, uh, Malcolm McDowell, Dean Kane, who I know your wife wants to see. Can't wait. She bought her, uh, uh, she bought her photo op Friday night. Um, so uh, going along with Tobin Bell, we have Dina Meyer and Betsy Russell for a bit of a Saw reunion. Uh, we recently added Andrew Divoff. We have Noah Shep from Stranger Things. Michael Bean who's, is going to be there. Adrian Barbeau. Curtis Armstrong. Uh, we recently added Eugene Clark, and we'll probably talk to him uh, about what it was like to work with George Romero. Uh, we have the Hellraiser reunion, Doug Bradley, Ashley Lawrence, Barbie Wilde, Simon Bamford, Nicholas Vince. It's a great group to have together. They really enjoy each other's company, and, it, and it, it really feels fun watching them engage with each other and with the fans. Plus, for the first time, because we have the pro photo ops now, we have the ability for fans to get pictures with the whole group. We've had the Hellraiser group before, but we never had the opportunity for people to get, you know, for fans to get photos with them. So now because we have the photo ops, one of the things I do like about the photo ops, and everyone knows, like I've gone on record before saying that, you know, photo ops really, I had to be convinced because I've seen them done wrong so many times. I really need, needed to see them done right um, for me to, to really have confidence in them. And uh, Wolf Studios, who does our photo ops, I think are phenomenal. You go get your picture, and by the time you go through the line, you're picking up your photo, you know, less than five minutes later. It's, they're absolutely amazing, and I think that really does truly add something to the show. So guest-wise, come back to the guest, we have C.J. Graham, who's going to do a in-costume photo op as Jason from Friday the 13th Part 6. Uh, we have Alex Vincent, who's going to do a photo op with an animatonic ch Chucky. We have Rico Browning, who was the original creature from the Black Lagoon in all three of the Universal Creature movies. The only man to play him in three in all three films. He was basically the underwater creature. Anytime you saw the creature in the water, uh, that was Rico. We have Jen and Sylvia Saska, the Saska sisters. They were another one. Uh, another group of people that the fans absolutely loved in Cherry Hill at our last show. And when you see people that interact with the fans as well as they did um, and as well as Wilfred did, like to the I absolutely want to bring them down to Hunt Valley because they they just get it. You know, like they they appreciate people. They appreciate the fact that people are standing in line to give them money to sign an autograph. Um, and it's just great to see the interaction with them, with the fans. So, you know. When I have the opportunity to bring them down to uh, Hunt Valley, definitely did it. And they said to me, I absolutely have to let them do a Q&A. So we're going to do that. Uh, Great. Like, not this weekend, next weekend. Uh, yeah, it's September 29th through October 1st. It's Monster Mania 38. Now, Dave, let me ask you a question, and everyone else can chime in too. Fans always ask the questions about how they used to prefer Cherry Hill when it was a little bit smaller of a convention and more intimate. Can you explain why they should go to Hunt Valley? Uh, it, it's funny you say that. I was just talking about that the other day. I mean, to me, like, I, I hear two things when I, I think of two things when I think of Hunt Valley. A lot of times I hear from fans that, that come to Cherry Hill, that Cherry Hill is so crowded, parking, this, that, and the other thing, how they miss how the intimacy that Monster Mania, they said, used to have um, is a little bit, you know, put on on trial, I guess, 
um, just because of the sheer masses of people that we get for Cherry Hill. And my first thought is, well, if that's if you're looking for the intimate type of convention, why aren't you coming to Hunt Valley? Um, you know, it's the layout for Hunt Valley is awesome. Um, it, it just it, it's a great convention hotel. It's probably my favorite convention hotel layout wise and everything else. Um, and it's just it it it's a different animal than the Cherry Hill uh, convention. Like there's not it's it's apples and oranges. It's it's two sides of the same coin. It's it's Monster Mania. Each one is Monster Mania, but each one is a version of Monster Mania that the other one isn't. Um, so I highly recommend. I, I said to somebody on Facebook tonight when he was saying that you know he wished a star was coming to Cherry Hill that's going to be at Hunt Valley. I'm like, you owe it to yourself to get down to Hunt Valley and see what it's like. It's a different thing. It's it's a it's a Monster Mania convention, but it's an entirely different version of it. You owe it to yourself to come down. And the other thing I always think of when I think of Hunt Valley when I make a guest announcement. That's, you know, one that everybody likes. A lot of times I get comments saying, oh, you know, bring them to Cherry Hill, bring them to Cherry Hill. And my answer to that is come to Hunt Valley. You know, like the, the guest is not going to show up in your backyard at your barbecue. So it, sometimes some guests you're going to have to to travel to, to see. And Hunt Valley and Cherry Hill are 90 minutes away. Like just get in the car. We used to go down to Hunt Valley Years ago, the first time I was ever at the Hunt Valley Hotel, the same hotel, there was a convention called Fanex that used to more towards the Hammer Horror uh, classic original monster type of um, convention, but with a heavy, heavy slant of, of Hammer Horror, which is why I went. You know, and it, it was, you know, the same trip for me as it would be for fans coming from Monster Mania. Uh, after Fanex left Hunt Valley, Horrifying came in, and we were we were vendors at Horrifying. I loved it. I loved the hotel. I I loved the atmosphere. Like Doug talked about at the last on the last podcast, the vendors that you see at Hunt Valley are not going to be the same vendors you see in Cherry Hill. It's it's different merchandise. Some are the same, but it's a lot different merchandise. It's a whole different animal. Um, and I think fans that you know miss what you know the intimacy that uh, Cherry Hill was ten years ago would be more than happy if they would give Hunt Valley a try. And this, of all the shows we've ever had in Hunt Valley, I think this is the one to go see. You know, Doug can tell you, Doug can speak about the vendors. Why don't you do that, Doug? Yeah, vendor-wise, like Dad said, and I said the last podcast, it is a whole different group of vendors. A lot from Virginia, West Virginia, Georgia, you know, the southern states. You're not going to see the same merchandise you would see in Cherry Hill. And for this show, we've expanded. I have honestly probably over two dozen vendors that are on my waiting list in case a vendor should cancel uh we've expanded we now have vendor tables in the lobby upstairs near our ticket table um you know we just we've grown tremendously from show to show and from this past show in 2016 to now it's leaps and bounds so it's all new merchandise like come on out like dad said you know you're not going to have these people come to your backyard You've got to make the point to, to drive and make it happen. And I think what's important, too, is that you're, when you put on your, your conventions, you're not trying to give repeat guests. Sure, there's going to be repeat guests, but you're, if you book someone for Hunt Valley, it's not a shoe-in that that person's going to automatically be a part of Cherry Hill. Right, absolutely, and, and vice versa. Um, you know, it's happened that I've wanted to bring – People that we had it uh, in Hunt Valley bringing the Cherry Hill the next year, and it w wasn't able to do it. 
uh, and vice versa. There's people I've wanted to bring to Hunt Valley that I still haven't gotten down there yet. Um, I always say, like, if there's a person at either show that you want to see, man, you know, invest the hour and a half that it takes you or, or an hour or whatever it might be and invest the time to, to get in a car and just, you know, pop a CD in and, you know, yeah, I drove, make, make, I drove eight hours to come to Cherry Hill. I'm, I'm driving six hours to come out Valley. So people yeah. need to hurry up and come on out. Well, and honestly, the, of all the Hunt Valley shows, I think this is going to be the one to see. The point is basically, you know, if you see an opportunity, you know, you have to take it because, you know, it's not guaranteed it's going to happen again. I mean, that's just life. Yeah. I, I know for myself, speaking of FanX, FanX made a jump from the Hunt Valley Hotel that we're at. They moved to uh, uh, Washington, D.C. for this convention and they had Christopher Lee. And I didn't go. I, I it was $25 to park and all I, you know, all these reasons why I decided not to go. And you know what? To this day, I regret that more than anything. Like, that's the one guest I never got to have. It's the one guest that, you know, we're definitely not going to have. He's passed. Um, and I truly regret not going down to see him. I, you know, I, I wish I had it to do over. And, you know, and that's sincere. You know, I really wish that I had that opportunity. You know, how many times have people passed on seeing George Romero or Carrie Fisher for whatever reasons? Um, you know, you're not going to get those chances again. So, you know, if there's somebody you truly want to see and it's and it's an hour, an hour and a half to get there, you know, you owe it to yourself to, to do it. It, it You're going to regret it, it you know, in, in the long run if you don't. So at least I, I did with the Christopher Lee situation. I wish I had it to do over. I would definitely go again. OK, so it's September 29th through October 1st. It's at the Delta Hotel Marriott. It's formerly the Hunt Valley Inn in Hunt Valley, Maryland. It's Monster Mania 38. It's going to be a blast. All right, so Dave, moving on. Do you have horror news? No. <laughs> you have nothing new this week? That's it? No, oh, did, did anything happen in horror? I, I was, uh, there is see. one little story. Yeah, the the big news, absolutely, was that uh, Universal Pictures announced that Jamie Lee Curtis is returning to play the iconic Laurie Strode in the next film of the Halloween franchise. Uh, it's set for a release date of October 19th. 2018 and it's being called and we've heard this before it's being called the final film in the halloween series jamie lee's character will have a final confrontation with michael myers the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing his killing spree on halloween night four decades ago 40 years ago john carpenter is going to executive produce and he's also serving as creative consultant on the film Joining lead horror producer Jason Blum, who was behind uh, the films Get Out, Split, and The Purge, and also the Paranormal Activity franchises. The horror movie is being produced by Trancus International, Blumhouse Productions, and Miramax. Uh, Slated to direct is David Gordon Green from a script that he co-wrote with Danny McBride. Uh, Danny McBride was most recently seen uh, as the pilot in the in Dave's favorite film of this year so far, Alien Covenant. <laughs> Danny McBride is both an actor and a, and a writer, apparently. 
Um, Dana McBride is uh, currently on HBO on Vice Principals. Yes. So here we are with Jamie Lee Curtis again in the role. Um, from what I had heard, there, this is going to be a sequel to the first two Halloween films that Carpenter did. Uh, I guess they're bypassing four, five, and six, and seven, and eight. They're bypassing H2O, which I just watched it the other day, knowing that we were going to talk about this on the podcast. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I, I thought it was really great to see Jamie return to the role. Uh, I was absolutely thrilled to see Janet Lee in the film. Uh, for those that don't know, Janet Lee uh, was the person killed in the shower of Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, and Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Um, in H2O, she actually is driving the same car that she drove in Psycho uh, that she, in the film, winds up getting killed and thrown into and sank to the bottom of the lake or whatever it was. So I was thrilled to see Janet Lee in the same movie as um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, there was a lot of nods and winks to Psycho in the scenes with her in it. I don't know where they go with this one. Is this a different version of Laurie Strode? I thought the version they did for H2O was, was pretty good. I, uh, I happened to read a story today that said that there is a possibility that they will bypass Laurie and Michael being related. If you can believe really? that. Yeah, because John Carpenter, when he wrote Halloween, that was never meant to be. Yeah, and, and I, he said that he added that because he was sitting at a typewriter and realized that he had nothing to add to it after the first one. And he was, you know, given the task of writing Halloween 2, and he just didn't know what to do. Yeah. So his out was to was to use that. Now, so I, don't, first, I don't know, I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, like, to me, I almost feel like they can't. But, I mean, it's, you know, they can do whatever they want. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's critical to the plot at all. I, mean, I don't I think, think so either, but I feel like, otherwise, why is she there? You know, is she just going to be this, you know, 55 or 60-year-old that's going to battle, you know, Michael Myers in, in a, a random encounter? You know, I mean, it just seems a little odd. I would much rather, and yes, I agree. H two O was, you know, it was a decent. I felt like it was a good uh, sequel, like almost a direct sequel. I, I did, I did think it was decent. Uh, I'll tell was, you one thing: you don't want to do, Rob. You don't want to take Doug to see this next one. Listen, you fuckers. You um, <laughs> we're worth it. You want to talk about me with my cell phone in a, in a movie theater? Listen, that is nothing. Shut that I, I I have to take with me in case there's a text or an email or something about the show. If it's before the show, I have to take the phone with me. You don't want to take Doug to a movie that you really care about and want to see. All right. So uh, this is probably the last time Dad took me to a horror movie. It a, is a because I hate them and b because dad's a loser so uh we're watching this h2o which was unbelievably amazing and when he goes through the table dad did not appreciate that i started chanting ecw ecw yeah. she so, she's battling him it's, it, you know it's one of the vital scenes in the film she hits him he goes over the banister falls down to the table lays there you believe he's dead 
and this fucker starts chanting ECW. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> it was Dudley Boys in full action. Take it, love it, Busta Rhymes. The movie was amazing. Uh, it, it was just great. It was, uh, I enjoy pissing my dad off, and I didn't actually think it would piss him off. It was just uh, spontaneous. I think it, I say it. And I just thought the ECW chant was unbelievably appropriate. It was at ECW's height. And um, dad doesn't invite me to movies anymore. No, mm. but I buy him a ton of candy corn. Candy corn is gross. It is anyone gross. That, anyone that eats it. I love candy corn. And I know we have fans that eat it. Um, I think terrific. I hate you. Uh, it's you, terrific. You should not be a fan. You should not be a human. Uh, dad also likes them circus peanuts or circus He penis. likes good and plenty, yeah. too. Who eats Good and plenties. Come on. Good and plenties are gross. Mellow, mellow cups, yellow cups, whatever the hell this is. Mellow cups. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, Dad, your your tasting candy is awful. Greasy cups over yellow cups or your bullshit cups, whatever they are. Mallow uh, cups. You're an idiot. And your choice in candy and movies and popcorn. And it's children. Just, it's all bad. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm adopted, I'm told. So Yes. I should, You know what? When they knocked on that door and ran away, I, I usually when people did that when I was a kid, it was because it was a bag of dog shit they set on fire. I wish it was a bag of dog shit they had set on fire. Instead, it was a baby in a basket. And now you're doing a podcast with me. They called the shit poop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, Big Dave doesn't even know that movie reference, do you? No. Lou. They called the shit poop. What, what a loser. Did anybody get stabbed in the head with a knife in it? But it wasn't uh, worth watching. Neither are most of the movies you watch. So on the opposite end of that, uh, Big Dave and I went to see Rob Zombie Halloween on, I think, like the opening night. It was like a Thursday night at midnight yeah. or something. And, um, oh, yeah, I fell asleep during it. Uh, honestly, I did, too. The, the, <laughs> the scene where he grabs the big uh, plank of wood and they're in the ceiling above him and he starts using the big plank of wood to hit the ceiling, it, it made such a noise that it woke me up. In the theater. One of the only times I've fallen asleep in a movie theater, but I was really tired. Now, am I am I the, the biggest Halloween fan on this on this panel here? Clearly. Uh, I, I don't know. No. I, I, for me, the Halloween films are absolutely my favorite franchise, hands down. If you want to make this new Halloween, like, I think it's great that Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with it, yet at the same time fearful that they're going to do something I'm not going to like. But it, I got two words that would make me really want to go see this, even more than Jamie Lee Curtis being in it. Midget porn? Nick Castle. If they brought Nick Castle in all the Halloween movies, all the Michael Myers get compared to Nick Castle's version. They've tried to copy Nick Castle. They, you know, Some of them have freely admitted that they studied – the first Halloween, like um, Chris Duran, I believe it was, that was uh, Michael Myers in H2O. He yes. said he studied He studied how Nick Castle moved in the first one. Man, if they told, if they announced tomorrow that Nick Castle is going to reprise the role, I'd be there. I'd be standing in line. I don't, I don't particularly know if adding Nick Castle is going, I mean, let's, let's figure this out. Nick Castle is probably close. I think, what did we figure out the other day? Michael Myers is in his 60s, right? So I, I don't know exactly how old Nick Castle is, but I got to assume he's mid-60s. I would think. I would think. 
So I, I don't know. Like um, I know you guys are, are especially you, Dave, and, and probably you too, uh, Big Dave, about um, the Halloweens. Like I went back when I heard the news, I got really excited. So I started, you know, going through and rewatching the box set, and I watched the producers cut because I still really like that one for some reason more than probably a lot of other people. And then I made the decision to sit down and watch Rob Zombie's Halloween. That's a, a movie that's grown on me over time. There's a lot in it that I do like. Yes, the part that you're talking about where he's, you know, jamming the wood up into the ceiling and stuff, that part is drawn out. But for the most part, I don't really mind necessarily the movie. I don't even mind part two, and I used to literally hate them. But I think over time, you just – maybe it's because uh, – is, is it the part when Michael Byers like flips over a car? Again, you know, it, it's, it's a little ridiculous. But I feel like – you know, Tyler Maine in person is a big guy. Um, if it's a small enough car, do I think he, – he, he could probably give it a, a good run. And I, I do think there's something being you know said when Michael Myers is nearly seven feet tall. He's you know menacing. He's a, a scary looking guy, and, well, and he, I, he turns into Jason at that point. I mean, yeah, kinda. But I, I think that um, I think five and Resurrection are my least favorite um, for the Halloweens. Do you guys have a, a favorite and a least favorite of the series? I would say, for me, obviously the first one. Hands down, my favorite. Uh, the one I absolutely hated the most was Resurrection. Yeah, so for me, um, I mean, besides the first one, which I think is like like the given, um, yeah, yeah. Ha- Halloween 4, Halloween 4 was the first one we saw in the theater as a family, um, you know, between like me, Doug, and Big Dave. So, um, you know, I think that holds like a special place to, for all of us. And the, the least favorite, <laughs> it's kind of like a toss-up. I... I, I liked five, and I, I like six. The producers cut at least, but anything after that's all kind of in the same um, garbage can. Wow! Oh yeah, hmm. brutal. Yeah, my favorite H two O. Just just for the just for the table. Yeah, spot, just right? for the ECW scene. ECW, ladies love Cool James. Ladies <laughs> love me. So you know, gotta hit it right. Uh, least favorite Halloween four because apparently we all saw it together and it touched Dave's heart and uh, I don't remember it and I don't ever want to touch Dave's heart so I'm gonna least favorite that one. Big Dave, second, did... second favorite Resurrection just because everyone else hated it. Oh, it's the worst. Big Dave, I don't even for... know who's in it, but I loved it. Big Dave for Daniel did... Harris. Oh, she's hot. Big Dave, did you see uh, the the original in theaters? Yes, you did. I... Yes, I saw every one of them in the theater oh, during oh. the first run. Actually, oh, did it McDonald's? Oh God, I forgot did all about throw that. Throw up on something? When Halloween, when the first Halloween came out, I put a sheet on and grabbed a knife and walked up to the. I forgot all about that. Walked up to the drive-through window he was, he, he was and stuck the nuts. Stuck the nut. I was working at McDonald's at the time. It's where Dave's and Doug's mom and I met, and. uh Halloween was out. I came up to the drive-thru window with the sheet on with the glasses over it and stuck a knife through the drive-thru window and was like terrorizing the girl. She had no idea what the hell was going on. (laughs) I forgot all about that. Big Dave has many stories that HR should (laughs) never hear of. (laughs) And and the ones they do hear of, 
Uh, they're probably like not even that bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just about to say that with like HR, it's like, ooh, all the things you shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah I think I've inherited that skill too. But uh, I can just get. Away I don't know with it. if it's a skill, but so do, let's 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 uh, let's, let's be, terrorize employees. Yeah, let's let's do that. But let's uh, let's say honestly, do we? Is there anybody that really believes that this will be the last Halloween? No, no, no. So I mean, just as we talked about in our last podcast about you know, movies being cyclical, um, you know, whether it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Chucky slash Child's Play series, you know, th- th- this is probably going to be the best of what's to come next and you know the one after that's going to be a little watered down and then we're going to hit bottom and then five or ten years later we'll see something again and quite honestly i hope it's not the last one it's my favorite franchise series of them all um the the only one of the whole series i didn't see in the theater and most I saw on opening night. The only one I didn't see in the theater was Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Because I really hated Halloween, his Halloween so much. Uh, but when the original series was in the theaters, opening day, man, I was, I was there without a doubt. And I'll be there for, for this one too. Can you, um, buy, can you buy me a ticket and I'll go with you? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't buy that one. All right, guys. We are going to take a break. And when we uh, get... I, I, no, I still got more. No, on, no. On, 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 on Halloween. Halloween, what can we talk about yeah. when we get back? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. In the darkest reaches of the mind, there has never been anything like brigantine. Alive again, with even more surprises than before. From its lofty towers high above the sea, to rat-infested dungeons and hidden graveyards, there is always someone or something dying to meet you. They're waiting for you at the haunted mansion in Long Branch, New Jersey. Monsters, ghouls, vampires, frightening creatures of the night waiting for you at the haunted mansion. They could be around the next corner, down the next dark corridor. Maybe they're behind you. Hurry! They're just dying to meet you at the Haunted Mansion in Long Branch, New Jersey. <laughs> okay, guys, we're back. Now, we are hot on the topic of Halloween. Here's the one thing that I have a question about as far as the Halloween series goes. Now, this new movie is, I'm assuming, is going to take place 40 years after the first Halloween. Now, in the first Halloween, the outfit Michael Myers wears was something that he's wearing because of convenience. He, uh, you know, came to the garage. There was the outfit hanging up on a hook. He grabbed it, and that was his look for Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. I I believe Halloween 2 was a continuation that happened on the same night. Am I correct? Yes. It it is the same night, yes. Right. But uh, he he killed the tow truck operator in part 1. That's how he got the outfit. Right. So now here it is, 40 years later. Is he still running around killing tow truck drivers and wearing the same outfit? Or should we expect to see Michael Myers in a different getup, in a different costume? Well, if they want to hear a grumpy old guy complain about new outfits, then they should change it up and then listen to you, bitch, about a red shirt. 
Yeah, well, that's different. That's Leatherface. I, I'm saying in this <laughs> case, in this case, he only wore that out of convenience because that was the person he killed and he took those clothes. You, you can't really expect him to be wearing the same uh, garage overhauls 40 years later, can we? Oh, like if you like came across like a clothesline that had like women's clothes, you could wear a muumuu. There you go. I want to see cuffed legging pants, like uh, skinny jeans, <laughs> on Michael Myers. And he goes um, to visit the monsters in Brooklyn. I want him to visit the monsters in Brooklyn with yes. Rob closely by. Horrible. And uh, it's two I don't think you love, he, Rob. Should, he shouldn't use a knife. He should use like a pea shooter. <laughs> You've you've defecated on Michael Myers. How dare you? Yeah. Forty years later. later, he's running around in the same outfit. Oh, what if he wears like a chef's outfit, like Gordon Ramsay? There you go. Let's let's try and answer the the serious question or the the, the most obvious question. Forty years has passed. What's he been doing for forty years? That's a a great question. I had read people at McDonald's. I, I had <laughs> I, I think the version of this uh, they were going to do a new. Uh, Halloween. They've been kicking this idea around for a while. Now, you know, these guys came up with this version of it. Uh, the script I heard that was circulating before was that Michael Myers was on death row and escaped death row, and that was going to be the plot for the new Halloween movie. Yeah, I had heard, heard the same. Yeah, and then that went down the pike, and now there's this one. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be something like he was in prison for 40 years or something like that. Well, I mean, we already know they're not going to make him supernatural. Um, Danny McBride has said that he wants him to be more human. And then if they take this- which, Which I, I don't understand the take on that either, because the whole, I shot him six times, he falls out the window and he's gone. That's not human. He shot- Tupac. He, he, had his, he had his eyes shot out. In All part right, two. I, I don't know about the eyes, but in his defense, Tupac got shot five times and still came back and made an album. So it's possible. Michael Myers mixtape coming soon. There you go. <laughs> I would buy that. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, you know, there's a lot of flaws in the, in, the, in the movie, especially part two, the way it ends. He burns up for one. So he'd be, you know, burned beyond recognition because he's laying there as the scene closes and, you know, he's, he's on fire. So you assume like this, there's no way this guy's alive. Plus he got shot in the eyes. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, and if in real life, if you shoot someone in, in one eye, they're it's, dead. Yeah. I mean, unless you're Bushwick Bill, I think he was shot in the eye, wasn't he? Doug, you probably yeah. know. Dad, how from, do you know? From the Ghetto Boys. See, Doug's talking about rap. He got me on the rap kick now. Big Dave don't know about Ghetto Boys. Oh. Sure, I do. Go ahead, hit it. Come on, I grew up in Kensington. Go ahead, hit it. I'll hit it. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think. I'll hit it. <laughs> I almost think that they're, I mean, as excited as I am that they're bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis, there's also a part of me that wishes that they didn't, that it started something fresh and something new, and we just kind of stuck with what we had. Because, you know, there's so much, there's 40 years that have that have passed, unless he has been in jail and breaks out, which I don't necessarily dislike that, that storyline. It was like, it's the night of his execution or something, and... And he, he break the the power goes out and he breaks out and he I think he was supposed to go after Sheriff Brackett's son like Sheriff Brackett's son was like now the sheriff or something and and he was going to go after him but I, I I don't again 
you know, I, I love the series, so I'm going to go see it anyway, regardless. And I'm going to, you know, buy the merchandise or buy it on Blu-ray. And it's it's stupid. It's like a sickness. But that is my, my all-time favorite series, too. I yeah. got the movie right here. He dies. The guy from Green Mile puts life back in him. And then he escapes and kills everyone. That guy's dead, too. Another guy from Green Mile. <laughs> Just another guy. <laughs> like Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. The skill. Tom Hanks. So then, in the Halloween reboot. Right. So he brings them back. And then, boom. That's a tough That's him. a tough sell. All right, Michael Dave. Myers gain weight in 40 years. Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm 47 and I'm fat. I yeah, want to fat what, Michael what, Myers. What if he's been doing, like, abs the whole time? Nick, Ca- Nick Castle could do it. Have you, we've had Nick Castle with the show. He could put on the costume tomorrow. I'm telling you, it would, right. make, it would make the world difference for me to go see it. I, I'm really glad that they're doing it. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been hoping that they would come out with a new Halloween. Um, the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis has added to it. I, I kind of felt like you did. It's like I, I, I thought they did a good enough job with the H2O mm-hmm. with, with her characterization and, and how they developed her character, you know, from the past and how she turns around and becomes, you know, the uh, Sigourney Weaver of, you know, the series or when she locks the gate and then turns around, you know, with the ax to face him, like that's the turning point of right. her life. My and, favorite scene all movie. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought it was done really well. Uh, I, I don't know if she's going to be able to be as good in, this sequel as she was in H2O because I thought in H2O she was fantastic. I thought she did a hell of a job. It so. made sense because she was an alcoholic and, you know, yep. she was, you know, hiding and I don't know. Well, yep. let, can, let's move on here. What else do you have, Dave? Okay. Now, last week we had talked about how successful it was in the theaters and how it broke uh, records for the month and how it broke records for horror film debuts. Last week we had Darren Aronofsky's mother released, and you want to talk about a disappointing weekend. Uh, there's this um, company called CinemaScore that they go and they poll people exiting theaters on Friday and uh, all across North America, and mother got a grade of an F. And in this for this um, CinemaScore thing, Hardly any movies get an F. Like, very rarely do they get an F. Like, this bombed with an F. For opening weekend, it earned a dismal $3.1 million on opening day, and it didn't even hit $8 million for the weekend. It's the worst wide launch of a Jennifer Lawrence film. Her boyfriend, current boyfriend, is the director uh, who also did Black Swan, Aronofsky. Uh, audiences, they, the excuses they're giving for the poor rating uh, is that they're saying audience were expecting one type of movie and it was quite a different type of movie uh, than they expected. Uh, the film studio has since come out and basically tried to explain that this was a movie kind of like how uh, Netflix will release films or projects that aren't uh, going to achieve mass public worldwide acceptance that they're now defending the release of this film, saying that they released this with that intention, but there's no way that they released this. There's no way that not getting $8 million on an opening weekend for this film with the budget that they put into it, there's no way that that's not a super major disappointment. So my question is, what's the difference between 
why was it such a spectacular opening and it's a horror movie and why was mother such a like a total bomb a weekend later it crushed it, the second weekend of it crushed the opening weekend of mother probably going to be out of the theaters in another two weeks i think you know this director had done requiem of requiem of a dream he had done the wrestler he had done black swan like all of his movies have a different a different pacing or a different you know feel to them mother in my opinion i haven't seen it yet but i've heard i've, I've read a, a lot about it because I, I do think it's interesting is i think that this was a movie that is an art house type of film it doesn't have a direct narrative. Um, and I think that what happens is that the, let's say the masses aren't typically used to that. So, you know, he's trying to do something different and outside the box and people are, are not going to necessarily like it. I think it has, a, it's just in its own boat. Um, you know, and I had said last and it, week. And it, it floats. And it floats. And I just, like even with the new Halloween coming out, I can't even see... Halloween matching these kind of numbers. I just can't. You know, I, I feel like the timing was right for it. They have they had great marketing. Um, you know, and Mother really didn't. Like when we had talked about movies that were coming out, none of us even mentioned that. You know, none of us well, even they, I think I think Dave mentioned, you know, Mother coming out and I said and he had said he wanted to see it and I said I wanted to see it. Um, but it's just not your standard run-of-the-mill horror movie and i don't even know if if it's really classified as a horror movie i think it is but again i don't really know because black swan was labeled as a horror movie and that really wasn't a horror movie i i don't know i just feel like you know there's there's movies that are going to be for your art house types which you know can 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 break all kind of of rules can be you know have be extremely graphic or almost pornographic and still not have an issue and then there's mainstream films which are different and I just think that that this is one of those that you're either going to appreciate it for what it is or you're not. Now, do you think that it was it was released to be an art house film? Or do you, I, I mean, I think just with Jennifer Lawrence being in it and the and the amount of screens it was released on, this has to be a super disappointment to the movie studio. There's no doubt. Say. There's no doubt that they thought that that she was going to bring, you know, because I think she's the highest paid actress now. Yes. So I, I, there's no doubt that people are, are assuming that she's going to bring as a draw. She's going to be the draw for people to come in and see it. So if you get a typical person that's a Jennifer Lawrence fan, let's say it's a, a, it's a, a middle-aged wife, okay? And she goes to see this movie, um, there's a really good chance, let's say that she's the type that would watch The Walking Dead or, you know, because she's familiar with Jennifer Lawrence from The Hunger Games. She's not going to like this movie. It's you know it's it's not gonna it's not gonna appeal to her in any in any way shape or form. It's going to appeal to some, but I feel like this would have been a better movie that they would have released slowly, you know, and kind of built it up from there. But I feel like they thought that she was such a big star that you know it it would have exploded in the box office. But second of all, going against it, it just doesn't make sense. See, I have a couple I have a couple thoughts and questions on it. One, I think. The popularity of it shows that a monster, uh, you know, a good monster, as the clown would be, Pennywise, uh, that will capture an audience attraction. Uh, you know, I haven't seen Mother, but I'm assuming Mother doesn't have, you know, that iconic looking monster that it does. So I think it speaks the, to the fact that, you know, the reason why Monster Mania is called Monster Mania 
It's because I think, you know, a, a, a good monster in a movie will find its audience. Um, so the second question I have is, is it possible for, does a horror movie lose its juice or whatever you want to say when a Jennifer Lawrence stars in it? Like, does it, does it not, does it become a Jennifer Lawrence vehicle rather than a potentially good horror film? Like, can you have, can you have both? Well, I think to go with your, your first comment, I watched a preview of mother and I have no clue what it's about. The preview is awful. It, to me, looks like uh, a guy and his, his super hot girlfriend that he could never really score in real life just start inviting random people in like mom does for uh, Easter. It's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. And um, it, the whole concept, I don't understand what the movie is based upon watching a preview. So as you said, with Pennywise, you see it, even if you only see him in a preview for three seconds. He you puts know what the movie's in about. The seats. Yep. Right. And you know what the movie's about. You watched a mother trailer that I watched today, and I have no clue what the hell it's about, other than a weird group of people show up at a house. Yeah, but I think one of the things that would have interested me and Mother uh was the complete opposite. Like, you know, like some more of the you know, I don't want to call them like the art house or the independent films, uh, you know, which this certainly was not. You know, sometimes you just go into a movie and, and you don't want to really know anything about it. And, um, you know, just enjoy the ride for what it is. And, you know, the one movie that comes to mind uh, was <clears throat> the, the one that I watched, you know, I guess last year or this past year, uh, The Green Room. And, you know, I knew enough about it that, you know, like, OK, I'll check that out. And and the less I knew, the better. So I'll, I'll agree with that. You had recommended that I watch The Green Room and I knew nothing at all about it. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was one of those movies that came out. I didn't even hear about it when it came out. I watched it on your recommendation and really, really enjoyed it. But again, I think that film had a direct narrative. And I don't think a film like Mother does. I think that's the problem, is that if you watch The Green Room, it is cut and dry exactly what it is. So, uh, and I don't know if, I don't remember the trailer, like you had said, Doug. Like, I don't know if I watched the trailer for The Green, Green Room, if I could get a feel for what it's about. But Mother, see, I, I'm a big fan of those type movies where, um, you know, cinematography is, is important and it doesn't always, always have to have a, a, you know, a specific outline or maybe it's, it's you know, it's up to your interpretation. Uh, and I like those movies, but not all the time. Like uh, Halloween time for me is a time for me to watch slashers and killer movies. Not this. You know, this is something that I would have to kind of be in the mood for, to be honest. Do you think the title hurt it? No, everyone hates their mother. Yeah, that's what I mean. Would you want to get? Would you want to go see Mother in a theater? I would go with Rita. <laughs> I I don't know if if the if the title really hurt it. I I don't I don't think it's descriptive enough. I think that you know what Doug is saying. Let, let's say that Doug is is your average consumer for horror fans because he doesn't watch a lot of horror movies. So if he has to decide, he by looking at it, he knew exactly what it was about. By looking at Mother, he even said, like, I don't know what it's about. So he's right. not gonna he's not gonna invest any money. Like my daughter went and saw it again. She went and saw it a second time instead of going to see Mother. She had talked about it, said, I, you know, I don't really know what it's about, so I'm gonna take and I know what my money is gonna be spent on. It's gonna be spent on exactly what I want to see. So I think that was a lot, and I think that word of mouth, I know that. 
uh, typically horror films drop off significantly the second week. And this one, I think, dropped off 40-something percent. It did. So Yeah, but they said that was still a fantastic great. number. Yeah, it's a great for number. For second week. Because sometimes... I, th- I think, to Doug's point, he didn't know what it was about. I didn't know what it was about until I read about it. The title doesn't tell you what it's about. Like, there's nothing that came out prior to the release of that movie that really let you know what you were going to see. Even these ratings that... They got an F on cinema score. They're blaming it on that the audience didn't know what kind of film they were going to see, and they didn't get the type of film they were expecting. Did uh, she you know, do I any think, press? Did Jennifer Lawrence do any press for this movie? I don't know. I, didn't I, see I think it goes back to the point that Dave made last podcast, how how great uh, promotion that the studio did for it, you know, with the bus and going to the horror conventions and, you know, they were, they only did a few conventions. They did San Diego Comic-Con. They did us. I don't know if they did anyone else. Um, but like they, they targeted their audience, you know, San Diego Comic-Con was the place to be for that. Monster Mania was the place to be for that. We got a, you know, a lot of likes on that when we announced that and we announced it the week before the, the week of the show, I think, or the week right before it. In the case of mother, I still don't know what it is. I've heard it compared to Rosemary's Baby. I don't know a whole lot about it. I don't think the title told you anything about it. I don't think what... Uh, I think I saw one trailer for it. That didn't really tell me what it was. They they did nothing to make me want to spend money to go see it. People were actually Googling after the movie to figure out what it was really about. Yeah, I, I so They heard watched it. a movie and have no clue. Now that I know that, do I really want to shell out 15 18 bucks i know rob doesn't but you know go see a movie that i have no clue what it's about and then i gotta google it later yeah if um, i'm big dave i'm just googling it during the movie did, but did, did any of you guys see did, now, did you guys see black swan did any of you i no. did you did did you like it uh i thought it was interesting uh, i thought it was a well-made movie not exactly my cup of tea uh wouldn't watch it again but i appreciated it for what it was Although it's not in my, um, it, you know, it's not a type of movie that I really did you guys enjoy. See the, did you guys see The Wrestler? Yeah. I is, saw The is Wrestler. Is that the one with Mickey Rourke? Yes. He did that? I didn't realize he yes. did that. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I saw it just for Marissa Torme's boobies. Yeah, she was hot in that. Uh, she's they hot were in amazing. Uh, did you guys like that one? I did. Uh, again, the boobies, yes. Uh, the Little Dave? Uh, thanks, Rob. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> no, no. I, I like the wrestler. I like Requiem for a Dream. Right. I liked uh, Pie. I, I mean, I've, I'm you know, generally a. You know, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm a complete fan of his movies, but you know, mm-hmm. like I, I found them to be, you know, enjoyable. Now, you've been in the wrestling business. What did you think of the wrestler? Uh, very realistic. Very realistic. Uh, a lot of guys can't stop and it's pretty depressing and uh it was it was about as as real as you can get um and i think i think that was probably the one thing that i that i appreciated about it but uh it, it certainly was a depressing movie going back to uh doug's affinity for ecw the wrestler was actually filmed in the old uh, Philly ECW arena, correct? Or, or am I wrong? That is correct. So I was that close to my girl Marissa, and it never happened? Yep. I, th- I think they warned her. Yeah. 
Probably <laughs> not. I don't. I don't know if if she actually was there for that filming or not. She may not have been in the filming for uh, for at the arena. I don't know. We yeah. need her for a convention. Just saying. That would be a good and, guest. Um, with the wrestler, ah, oh, surprise! The movie's about a wrestler. Mother, I don't know what the movie's about. <laughs> because the chick in the movie, Jennifer Lawrence, she's not a mother. There's, she doesn't have kids in the preview I saw, so I don't know what the hell the movie's about. Why I won't go. Fair enough. Uh, okay. So, so Dave, what else do we have for horror news? Legendary famous monsters cover artist uh, Basil Gogos died. Um, he was 78. He's a guest that I would have loved to have had at the show. We actually came close a couple times. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things uh, about him when he would attend a show, he was a big dog lover, and he would want to uh, bring his dog with him. So um, in some cases, I think we had an issue initially, um, uh, the issue with the dog at the Crown Plaza, but I found out later that it would have been okay anyway. Um, but uh, my generation knew Basil Gogos for his, I mean, fantastic colorful uh use of odd colors and lighting uh for the famous monsters magazine covers of the 60s and the 70s uh dave and doug's generation will recognize him for the album covers for rob zombies hellbilly deluxe uh and the misfit albums um american psycho and dead alive like if you see those album covers i mean it's just unmistakable go-go's He's a person that was much imitated, but I mean, defined an era of, you know, like the monster kids, you know, the, those mm-hmm. of us that grew up in the 60s and, you know, built the Aurora models and and had the famous monsters collections. You know, I mean, he was, you know, he's an iconic artist from that time period. Like you talk about famous monsters. That's the first thing that comes into your mind is one of his one of his you know magazine covers. Um, so really sorry to see that he passed. He uh, passed at the age of 78. And this piece of horror news, I, th- I don't know if it's exactly horror news, but uh, I thought of you right away when I read this news and wanted to bring it up here. Uh, Jim Carrey is going to star, he's going to return to television to star in a series for Showtime. Uh, he's, it's going to be called Kidding, and he's going to star as Jeff, also known as Mr. Pickles. Mm. who is an icon of children's TV, a beacon of kindness and wisdom to America's impressionable young minds and parents who grew up with him, who also anchors a multi-million dollar branding empire. Uh, His family, his wife, two sons, sister, and father begin to implode. Jeff finds no fairy tale or fable or puppet will guide him through this crisis, which advances faster than his means to cope. The result is a kind man in a cruel world facing a slow leak of sanity that's as hilarious as it is heartbreaking. And that's the description from Showtime. No clowning around comes immediately to mind to me, especially when I read no fairy tale or fable or puppet will guide him through the crisis. Mm. Uh, It's actually funny. You're not the only person to bring that up to me, actually. Uh, I, I mean, look, it do, does it sound familiar? Of course. But, I mean, there's going to be people that are like, oh, of course not. Um, even Kidding is very similar to, like, No Clowning Around. Uh, yeah, the title. The title is Kidding. And 
you know, no clowning around. I mean, I, I get, you know, that, you know, I mean, there's there's Krusty the Clown who, you know, went through, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations of being a clown in The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, what was that other movie with, um, was it Bobcat Goldthwait? Shakes, Shakes the Clown. There was yeah. uh, Vulgar. There was uh, Death to Smoochie. There's a lot that are, are kind of in that that realm. So I guess, I mean, I have Showtime, so I guess I'll have to wait and see. Look, I, I, I mean, even if they blatantly copied, which I, I, I find it hard to believe that they would, uh, they're not going to see my movie. I, I, I don't, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm in North Carolina with shoddy internet. <laughs> there is not much I'm going to do about it. But I mean, it's got. I mean, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna watch it, aren't you? Just to see what similarities there might be. Of course, yeah, of course. I, I think my my big thing with Jim Carrey right now is how. Have you seen the interviews with him as of late? Yeah, I saw the red carpet one mm-hmm. where uh, they asked him why he was at the fashion show, and he said he couldn't think. He wanted to go to something that was totally meaningless, and he couldn't think of anything more meaningless than the show that he was attending. And the girl was like, the the girl that interviewed him like tried to like you know laugh it off, and he's like, no, 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 I'm serious. He, this is the worst thing I could possibly think of doing, so I'm here. I don't I don't want to say like I don't know anything about Buddhists or Buddhism or psychology or philosophy. But I feel like he's – a lot of people seem to think that he's on this philosophy or psychology kick where you know, he's getting in touch with his inner mind. Um, it, to me, it just rings out very similar to Andy Kaufman. You know, I think Kaufman was, was a one of a kind at the time. And I don't know if this is a shtick per se for, you know, for, Car- for Jim Carrey to – you know, get some sort of attention and, and become relevant again because, you know, there's a period where he wasn't doing anything and he was, you know, having legal problems and, you know, he had some... Oh, he's, still, he's, you know, he had to, he's having a legal problem right now where he might, he's being sued, I believe, by the parents of his girlfriend that overdosed to death using pills provided by him. Uh, you know, there's, there's talk of him possibly going on trial for that, Um uh, in the interviews that I've seen with him, like he talks about, he talks a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of things about how he's not really a person, and it's all this existential type of thing. Like, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes people are too smart for their own good. Um, uh, and when I read some of the comments that he makes, it's like, wow, like this isn't the Jim Carrey that was on in Living Color and being, you know, Vera DeMilo or whatever that uh, bodybuilding character was. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Or Fire uh, Marshal Bill, I think is uh, he was too. Yeah, yeah, but he never. I don't feel like he ever gives real interviews. He's always quirky. He's always got something goofy to say. And I heard the opposite. I heard when he told her he was looking for the most meaningless thing in town, she didn't really know how to react, and she just kind of like ha ha ha, as opposed to playing it up with him. And then he was just like, "All right, I'm done with this." Well, she she didn't know how to react. Like it was, uh, quite honestly, uh, you know, I, I'm believe me, I'm no fashion guru, but it was almost insulting uh, to her to to act that way. I mean, like he knew what he was being interviewed for. I don't know. I, I think that he's. I guess, like I said, I, I don't. I don't know whether or not it's 
it's real. I guess it's always hard to tell whether or not, you know, because I think that when he did Man on the Moon, where he was portraying Andy Kaufman, he he learned a lot and probably, you know, channels in some aspect, probably channels, uh, you know, Kaufman in, in, in some way. I, I don't really know. Dave, do you have any anything to add? Oh, me, Dave? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'm used to be called Little Dave these days. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, if you, if you look back at Jim Carrey, um, yeah, it's probably like one of the last like MTV kind of like award shows that I'd watch. But like, I, I remember him like like appearing like in character as a uh, you know, like a 70s you know stoner rock kind of guy, and you know went up and accepted award completely like in character and asking if they could play like a little bit more Fog Hat. So I think. You know, he's probably just there, like he's probably just there to fuck with people. I just think it's it's difficult to to understand. You know, he, he like I said, he has a new Showtime comedy coming out, comedy series coming out. Does anybody want to see this guy do that comedy series? If if he is this person, you know, or is this just his attempt to gain some sort of notoriety before and possibly wipe away the, the the negative that he has right now the the black cloud that's looming over him this you know what i mean i, I just i don't really know see i view him like a robin williams where every interview every movie he's he's over the top or he's got this new you know gimmick and, and he's always making new noises and new faces and imitating this one and that one so he's never really like a down to earth straight up person like we're all being right now uh, the last thing I have, Rob, is there's a new type of movie thing coming out. Uh, it's called Movie Pass, mm. where it's kind of like the Netflix for movie theaters. Um, it's a subscription service. You pay $10, and you can go to as many movies in a month that you want to go to, um, which I thought is interesting. Apparently, AMC is against it. Uh, they're not participating uh, their plan is to have their own version of a, of a subscription service. Um, but I was wondering what you guys thought of it. I, I think it's uh, I think it's definitely a good way to put you know asses in the seats again. It, it's and, it's been out for a little bit. It's uh you, you can only see one movie every twenty four hours. Um, so if you see a movie today at eight o'clock p.m., you can't go again tomorrow until eight p.m. Rob likes going to those theaters that have like the double features and he can bring his own little raincoat. And, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. Like if I was a kid, if I was a teenager, I'd be all over it. Now I don't know anybody that's going to, I assume that they're trying to make the money off of the concessions, but no, I I mean, what it is, is that the, I was reading it. It's, it's really interesting. I don't see how it's they're going to make any money, the movie pass people. The movie pass people pay the theaters the actual ticket cost of the ticket. The theaters, you know, and their argument to the theaters is you're going to make money because the person's already bought their ticket via the subscription service. So that person's going to come to the theater with more money to spend on concessions. Uh, the movie pass people are paying the theater the price of the ticket for each movie, so the theater's really not losing any money at all. I don't see how movie pass is going to make any money. Like, if I'm paying a ten dollars subscription service and I go to one movie a month, it's going to cost more than ten bucks for that movie. So movie pass is going to be in a hole. 
And if I go to two movies a month, they're really going to be in a hole. I don't think it's so necessarily new, though. I think it's been around for a while, and I think that AMC has always held out on it. Um, I did read I, I about that, it a little bit. I think the $10 price is new when they announced that. Oh, I think it used to be 30 bucks or something. I think it used to be. Since they announced $10, they said you know 400,000 people signed up. I don't think it's going to help the issues that they currently have with theaters. I don't think that's going to necessarily help. I think that... Movies need to be better. I think that, you know, we've discussed it already before with crowds and, you know, the experience itself. Uh, it's $10 a month. I don't care if, you know, it's 10 bucks for me to go see, a, a you know, a couple movies uh, a month. It's the experience while I'm there. Am I going to have to deal with people that are on their cell phone or people that are bringing kids or, you know, and I saw someone have the opposite rebuttal to this and said that they hate when people... Um, make comments about how people are rude in theaters and everything else. And she was under the assumption that people would lie. But I've sat in theaters and saw people on their cell phones or, you know, people bring their kids that it's not not appropriate for a child. You know, and then there's there's people that are loud and obnoxious. And, you know, this this happens. It happens constantly. I see people always talking about it. So it makes I don't want to really necessarily go to the theaters you know, I think probably the next movie I'm going to go see is probably going to be, you know, Halloween, you know, and that's October 2018. I'm not necessarily in a hurry for anything else. You know, like I actually, one of my favorite movies is Malibu Most Wanted. And when B-Rad yells at the screen watching the horror movie, you know, when they're testing to see if he's really black, the whole gimmick, um, I laugh hysterically at it every time. And it makes me think of the ECW thing that pissed dad off. And uh, I know people hate it, but I mean, I think Dave and I went to a movie together. I think it was Annabelle with Dad, and Dave and I are busting jokes the whole time. And I'm sure it annoyed people around us, but it annoyed me. Yeah, well, you're you're a loser. Uh, you know, we have fun. I mean, that's life is all about having fun. And uh, you know, if you got to crack some jokes during a movie because a priest is doing something funny or a fucking doll baby needs to get kicked across the room. You just got to make a joke. The texting is ridiculous. That that's got to end. It does. That's if if it's if it's monster mania related. I'm not texting. You know, friends and stuff. It's all because you ain't got none. He's got, Yogi he's, can't text. he's got. He's got me. <laughs> hey Rob, I'm going to a movie. I'll put it on Facetime so you can watch it with me. <laughs> I wish he would. That way, I wouldn't have to pay. There you go. We need a subscription service when you got a friend that'll do that. That's right. Let's go see the new it. Texas Chainsaw, will you? Five bucks oh, a month. Actually, split it. that uh, comes out what, this week. I want to see that. I really do want to see that. I don't know. I don't even know when Rob. it comes out. Yeah, I know. There's, there's. Uh, I heard there's two drive-ins down here. You have to understand, like, I mean, not to take it off course, but we're in the. We're, there's nothing around here, like, um, and now. They're talking about this Maria storm could hit us on like Wednesday, and we're planning on coming up Wednesday night for uh, Monster Mania. Now they're saying that the storm might hit us, so it might delay our our uh, our leaving. So I don't know, man. I moved to to Hurricane Country down here. Uh, so does anybody else have anything to add about the 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 ten dollars a month theater going experience? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd personally be interested in checking it out. I mean, for ten dollars a month, and when I literally have like a movie theater less than five minutes away, you know, like okay, you know, my options are, you know, let's just say it's a uh, 
Wednesday night, nine o'clock, you know, I could pop something on Netflix or I go to theater and check out like a mother type of film, a film I wouldn't typically check out because I mean, I've already, you were the first person I thought of when I, when I heard about the service for exactly the reason you just said, would I pay, would I pay $15 to see mother? No. If I had this $10 subscription service, would I see mother? Probably. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at what the theaters are competing against, hey, now I'm competing against, you know, Netflix, um, you know, Netflix, Amazon, like, I mean, basically all kinds of avenues on top of, um, you know, pirating, etc. I mean, it's just very competitive. And I think this is a way to get, you know, more asses and seats, as we said earlier. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, We're three years away from films going direct to video at the same time they open in the theaters. And we're probably 10 years away from the end of theaters. You really think at so? Least, uh, well, from the end of, of movies in theaters, I think we're going to move more towards, um, I forget what it's called. Uh, when we go to the movies, you see these commercials for uh, Broadway plays, one night in a theater, or basically the Q&A discussions that we have at Monster Mania. That type of thing. I forget what the name of the company is, but like they'll have the Walking Dead, uh, basically panel discussion that you can go pay to see in a theater. I I, th- I think the movie going experience, it, it's 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 rapidly going towards films, watching films in your on your home television, um, and I think movie theaters are going to have to kind of figure out how to adapt. And maybe that's these Q&A panels or these, you know, plays from London or, you know, whatever live type of events that they're going to go to. But I'm telling you, man, three years from now, opening day of a movie, you're going to be able to pull it up on, you know, video on demand, probably 15 bucks. But, you know, you're going to pay the cost that you would pay to see it in a movie theater. You're going to pay that for your house, maybe a little bit more, um, because like if you were going to see the movies, if you're going to the movies, you'd be taking your wife or your girlfriend or whatever it would be. So that would be two or three people. What do you think so, that goes to Hollywood? Uh, I, I think Hollywood's already feeling the effects of it. I, I think, um, I mean, let's be honest. The fire stick is out there. Um, everyone I know and the people that don't even aren't even technical savvy, computer savvy or whatever you want to say, uh, everybody's got a fire stick nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and people are just waiting for good digital copies of a movie to come out and watch it on, you know, on uh, on television with a fire stick. Um, I'm quite surprised, honestly, that it did so well in the theater. But I think there's something to be said of going for teenagers going on a date to see a horror movie in a movie theater. Um, I think that still has an appeal. I think that um, if you make a movie good enough, people are going to go see it. Right. But I, I think all the mother-type movies, um, people people obviously aren't going to see it. Mm-hmm. And without this $10 subscription service, uh, I, I think that would boost the attendance for a film like that, um, You know, to Dave's point. But uh, I, I don't think that type of a film survives in this current I think that I think that type of movie does really well on Netflix uh, because everyone is going to want to see it by word of mouth. So I think they'll get they'll get revenue 
via Netflix that way. But I don't think that's a movie that should be in theaters necessarily unless it's, you know, at a small town theater or, you know, an alehouse or something like that that's going to have those kind of movies directed for those people. And then, you know, because I know people that that appreciate those kind of movies and they've, you know, stated that this movie is really different and they like it a lot. But then I've heard other people that don't. So for me, I, I will check it out, but I would not, I, I probably wouldn't pay, you know, to the $10 a month thing. I, if, if I had a theater close to me, I would go. Um, but I don't know, man, it's a tough sell. Oh, and, uh, and Hey people, I know we, I talked about cult of Chucky last week. That's actually going to be on Netflix. I think the day it comes out, I think October 3rd or October, really? 10th, October. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Everyone's really excited for this new Chucky movie, so I'm really excited about it. Hey, Dave, do you you don't know the release date for the new Saw, do you? Or does any of you guys? It's got to be soon. It's I believe it's the Friday before Halloween, whatever that day, whatever that date would be. Okay, so I wonder if if we can get um, Tobin Bell to discuss that movie a little bit. I'll be interested to see what direction they go. And then that you know, can we go back to Halloween for one second, where we had talked about. Uh, Maybe I'll bring this up that maybe there's unrest in, with fans about how the storylines are kind of all over the place. But I think any movie that goes this long, that has this many sequels, whether it's Saw, whether it's Texas Chainsaw, whether it's Friday the 13th, all the storylines are kind of mismatched and, you know, things are forgotten about, um, you know, and things are revamped. You know, even Nightmare on Elm Street had a reboot that was much different and darker than the original stuff. I just think that's to be kind of what's expected. You know, and, and I think that Texas uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's a good example because the only mainstay that really stayed in that was, you know, Nancy and Freddy. But Freddy's character went from scary in part one to very comical by the time he got to part four. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, th- I think that, that there's always going to be changes in these films you know, and, and storylines are going to get messy and the water is going to get murky just because of the fact that they can only keep doing they're, – they're not really – they're not changing the shape of the wheel, man. They're just adding another spoke to it. Right. And, and I think it just gets to the point where they feel like there's nothing more they can add to it. So they have to reinvent it or reimagine it or whatever yeah. word they want to say. Remake it. Um, but, I mean, uh, honestly, don't you want to see a different movie? Like, how many times can you see the same storyline of a movie? It's got to change or it's just repetitive, boring bullshit. Right. And on that note, Dave, we are going to wrap it up. We've gone entirely too long. We started out where we wanted to go 60 minutes and every week now. So for the last two weeks, we've gone much longer than 60 minutes. So hopefully everybody's getting their fill. Make sure you guys come out September 29th through October 1st. It's Hunt Valley Monster Mania. It's at the Delta Hotel Marriott in Hunt Valley, Maryland, formerly the Hunt Valley Inn. It's going to be jam-packed with guests, vendors, and some surprises. Hey, are we doing the costume contest, Dave? Yeah, definitely we're going to have it. I mean, for me, that's one of the highlights of the weekend. Um, you know, I mean, it'd be easy for me to show a movie and honestly go enjoy, you know, a, a dinner you know, with my family. Um, but I really enjoy hosting the costume contest. It, it's, I think it gives people an insight into, into how we are as, you know, as a family and as people. And I think it welcomes them into the family to a degree. Uh, I always say the same thing before it, because 
you know, I was criticized, uh, you know, one time for uh, an off-color joke or whatever. I mean, you know, we definitely don't do that during the kids' portion of the contest. But afterwards, I even, you know, make a comment and say, hey, you know, this is, you know, the R-rated version now. Um, not that it gets crazy or anything, but, you know, hey, we as a family, we bust balls and we do it with our friends. Um, it's just it's part of our personality. I think 95 percent of the people get it. The 5 percent that don't, it's not for them. You know, uh, they make, you know, 92 different flavors of ice cream because not everybody likes vanilla. Um same way with this costume contest. I'm not going to, after the last contest, after every contest, it started with when we had the very first one. You know, people that didn't win uh, get critical and they offer suggestions which would have benefited them, you know, in the long run. Like some people want it to be, uh, they don't want judges, they want it by audience applause. But then the person that has the biggest f amount of friends that's in the costume contest is going to win or the loudest friends or the drunkest friends. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the spirit of the, of the thing. And, and, and the whole thing is honestly, it's not about who wins and loses. It's about participating in it and, and just having and fun. fun. Right. Yeah. I mean, whether if you, if you win the, I mean, we're not giving away, you know, hundreds of dollars in prizes, you know, for each individual person, you know, the, the person that wins, uh, gets 50 bucks, you know, um, quite often there's ties because there's two costumes that are just so good that the, they both deserve to be appointed the winner. Um, you know, it's just the way it is, you know, like this is like stuff five-year-olds learn in soccer. Like, like, Hey, like, you know, you're doing it to have fun. You know, did you enjoy it? Did you have a good time? You know, it's not about winning and losing, you know. And and more importantly, did the fans have a good time? Right. You know, not not everybody, you know, for every person that enters the contest, there's 10 people in the audience or probably even more than that, the ratio. I mean, it it's 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 meant to be fun. You know, it, it's when we get a chance to let our hair down. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely going to continue doing it. And if, uh, you know, the people that get it for what it is can appreciate it and have a good time with us. That's great. We're all big fans of people that make their own costumes, not just store-bought, but make them. And yeah. I think a lot of the times, you know, the people that make them, I mean, and hey, there's some people out there that make them and put a lot of time and effort in that don't win. And that's just yeah. because, you know, it, it might be that they're possibly in the wrong category or it just wasn't their year. You know, some people have won several times and, uh, I mean, they always show up with some great costumes. So it's right. other people that, you know, use the uh, same costume show, year and year show up with the same costume. Right. Yeah. Year after year. I mean, it's like they might have won the first year, but, you know, the third time you see the same person entering as the same character. Right. You know, I mean, we've seen it. So, you know, we, uh, you know, we applaud the originality of, of guests, uh, you know, of, of contestants, too. So, you know, it, it's just meant to be fun. And, and I think. Most of the people get that. And what time is it going to be? Uh, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. All right. So no more eleven. Can you, can you stay up that late? No, no more eleven. I can stay no. up till I can stay up at nine. It's the okay. ones that were eleven that were the issue. Yeah. <laughs> well, we moved it up to nine. Honestly, it it's better for the kids. Uh, it puts less of a rush on us. Um, and, and I, I just think you're. It's it's a better time for. The contest. And it's yeah. right after the last Q&A. Yes. 
and everybody's there. They can have fun and sit and relax and we have a good time. And usually we hang out afterwards and talk a little bit. So we just want everybody to have fun. That's all. Yep. That, that's the whole purpose of the whole show. Like it's, uh, it, we're just here to celebrate horror movies, enjoy each other's company. And until we see each other again, have a blast for the weekend. And that's the intention of the whole thing. And people can't see, but I can see Doug right now and he looks like he's exhausted. So we're going to wrap this up. Okay. But uh, hopefully, hopefully everybody comes out. It's September 29th through October 1st. It's Monster Mania 38. We are getting down to the wire. It's like going to be uh, about a week uh, from when Dude, this episode I'm, goes up. I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm amped. You know, it's You're like, uh, yes, it's it's like the Super Bowl's ready to start. It's, uh, you know, I'm ready to go to Hunt Valley right now and set the tables up and let's get going. You know what I mean? It's a, well, the biggest, honestly, the biggest drawback of the whole thing is that it's only three days long. Yeah. You get there, you set it up on Thursday. It doesn't really, you know, vendors come in, check in at 12 noon. The show doesn't really start to four or five on Friday. You get one full day of not having to set tables up or break them down, and that's Saturday. And then Sunday, it's all over. And, man, like, the next thing, like, all this planning and all this, you know, hype and all this, like, excitement you have for it. And the next thing you know, it's Sunday, and it's 4 o'clock, and it's it's over. And it's like, holy crap, where did all that planning go? Uh, you know, and you only it's, – it's, it's lightning in a bottle, man. You only have it for a short period of time. And, and that's it. It's over. The weekend comes, the weekend goes, and the next one's in March. So I, I, I'm ready to get out now. Yeah, keep making, uh, make sure that you guys keep letting Dave or myself or Doug or Dave all know that you are listening, that you're enjoying it. Uh, I mean, we, we do care about what you guys say. And I think on the next podcast, Dave, I'd like to talk to you about what happens when you get a cancellation. Because I think a lot of people don't realize how much stress that you really go through, especially when we are, you know, just like what happened here where we're a week away and you have to bring on, you know, you have to search for new guests and how hard it is. I think people would like to hear stories about that. But anyway, okay. that's going to wrap it up. Hopefully we will see you guys there. And uh, hey, stay scary. I don't really have an ending, so it's the best I can. <laughs> <laughs>